Hey everybody, welcome back to another special edition of Patriot to the Core podcast. This I am talking to my friend Michael Andrew. He is on the ground in the U.S. Virgin Islands on, on uh, St. Thomas. He got there on Wednesday, so a few days ago, uh, three days ago from this recording, September the 12th, I think, or 13th, September 13th. And he's in a, on a disaster aid trip in, con- in conjunction with the Salvation Army and also his organization, Red Lightning. So we're going to just talk about what the conditions are there, what he's specifically doing, and he's going to talk about also St. John, how it's actually worse than St. Thomas, and he's more concerned about that area, and they're trying to figure out how they can get a team over there and help out, all while preparing for Hurricane, who is it, Maria? Uh, Maria is actually possibly headed there as well. So hopefully they are safe. Michael had his chance to evacuate, and uh, he and his his friend Craig chose to stay there and help out and help prepare the people for another possible hurricane. So this is a, a really some good work being done on the ground here, and I want to look forward to, to talking to Mike. Uh, well, Michael Andrew, I'm glad to have you on the phone. I hope this call works. So please let you us too. know where you're at <laughs> and what you are doing right now. I am in an a uh, house on St. Thomas up on a hill. It's a very well-built house. It's pretty much solid concrete. And I am on a disaster aid trip for the Salvation Army as well as my own uh, charity organization. And right now we're trying to figure out how to get a pipeline of aid and resources to the people who need it most. That's basically, that's the summary of it is, is basically what's going on. And um, tonight... I don't know if you know this, Dad, but we were told that there's a potentially large hurricane coming uh, named Maria. It's essentially following the same track as Irma. And we were asked by the Salvation Army if we want to be evacuated. And um, Craig and I just both said, no way. You know, we want to be here. This is, you know, we would miss this, you know, because uh, there's, a, there's a little bit of a lag time after a disaster in, in terms of you know what it takes to to get things running again and so if we're not here it could be days before we could come back but if we're here we could get back to work right away you know so that's the thought is is maybe monday or tuesday morning uh you know we'll know more in the next 24 hours in terms of what's going to happen but we we're pretty confident where we're staying we feel comfortable that if this house withstood a you know category five hurricane we're probably in good shape you know what is your elevation I would say we're less than a thousand feet. Oh, it's, so yeah, uh, you're pretty high. It's, though. it's not a bit. Yeah, we're we're fairly high. I mean, we'd be safe from any you know surge or anything like that, storm surge or tsunamis. I think we'd probably be fine. All right, so I want to. Uh, you we're speaking on uh, Saturday night, September sixteenth. When did you get there? Let's see. I got the call Monday. Uh, I was working. And uh, Craig Arnold, who is a one of the many vice presidents of it, UPS Americas, and he's uh, my logistics partner. We've done this is our fifth trip together. He called me and basically said, "Get on a plane." And um, I had about 20 hours to get ready before my plane took off. So at that point, it was a matter of tying up any loose ends that I had as quick as I could and and uh, get my bags ready. My bags are usually packed, but there's things in there that I usually swap out, check the batteries, stuff like that, and. You know, check to make sure the clothing I have is right for the environment. And it was just basically pack and get ready. And then uh, Tuesday, I left Hawaii, landed in um, Puerto Rico Wednesday, late afternoon. And then we were on St. Thomas early um, 
Thursday morning. So okay. I've been here three days now. So when did the when did Hurricane Irma hit St. Thomas? Has it been a week? Uh, I guess it's been yeah. A week it was now, like but. yeah. It's been over a week. Um, so so Mike, just give us a rundown of what's what was the what was it like when you got there and what I mean, how bad is the devastation and how are the people doing and the infrastructure? St. Thomas. Um, two there was there's two islands that I've been to St. Thomas and. St. John, we were there today, we were there yesterday. They're separated by ferry by about 20 minutes. St. Thomas, they're, they're two different problems because the destruction on St. Thomas is very far-reaching, okay, in terms of surface area. It covered a lot bigger in terms of territory. But the, the needs are different, I hate to say this, but kind of depending on the economic situation. So there's a lot of wealthy people in the Virgin Islands, and they're, they're kind of able to take care of themselves better than, let's say, the not-so-wealthy population. That's, I think, where their real danger is. And um, so the things that they're struggling with right now are water and tarps. Tarps are really hard to come by right now. We're trying to figure out how to get them. But uh, we've partnered up with uh, – no, there's a few programs going on. One of them that the Salvation Army – so there's a Salvation Army Corps here, and there were Salvation Army officers here already, you know, before the storm, and they basically put together a food program with a local church, and that food program is feeding, I think, 500 people a day. Uh, just, you know, economically, they, there's that's the place to eat, and they, they have is done. Is it at a, a location, or are they making deliveries? No, it's at a church. So they've partnered okay. up. They've partnered up with a, a church near the core, and a, another group called My Brother's Workshop. My brother's workshop is basically they, they teach trades, and one of the trades that they teach is cooking. And so they have these cooks preparing meals, and through the church and the Salvation Army, they're basically feeding uh, 500 people or more. Uh, that's going to expand, my understanding, to 1,000 or 1,200 in the next couple days, supposedly. And it's teamwork. It's, it's all a teamwork effort, and they've been doing a great job. That was established before I even got here, and they've been doing an amazing job. Um, the Red Cross is here, and they're doing an amazing job, and uh, they have a pretty good-sized team here, and we're going to, as of today, I think we're pretty much partnered up with them. And uh, the Salvation Army, what they're doing is we're looking for the gaps, maybe smaller you know, groups of people who aren't being reached. Um, we're going to deliver to them and also help with some of the logistics that uh, are hard-to-find items you know, that we can't really get easily. We have a pipeline set up through Puerto Rico, and uh, we're partnering with the Red Cross. But the thing that kind of really stuck out to me was there's not a lot of other aid agencies here. FEMA's here, and Fatima's here, which is like the Virgin Islands version of Fatima. And they're pretty much controlling the government response. But when you typically go into a disaster uh, situation, you're going to see aid groups everywhere. I mean, literally everywhere. You see their cars, their banners, their t-shirts and the only groups in terms of ngos that i'm seeing right now are the red cross and the salvation army i'm not seeing anybody else they could be here i just don't know about them but uh my guess is they're in florida or they're in houston you know with the with the storms there and the cleanup effort there and so i think what's happened is some of the agencies are kind of spread thin right now you know what i mean mm -hmm. and um so a uh, lot lot more people on st thomas obviously, uh, than what's what's on St. John. But St. John has a different problem in terms of there's no airport. It's harder to get get things over there. 
you know, there, there are some bottlenecks, but we definitely see that the, uh, the government has, I think, eight distribution points on St. Thomas and two on St. John, and people are getting, they are getting aid, you know, for sure. It's a matter of making sure that everybody's getting aid and there's, there's no missed gaps. You know, that's what we do, kind of. So that's, without getting into too much details, that's kind of what I can say. Um, it's been amazing to see St. John is a really special place. If you, if you've never been there, the community is really tight and they, they just love each other, you know, over on St. John and they take, we've gone over there and they just treat us like we're the brothers, you know, and, uh, there's a kitchen over there that has taken it upon themselves to feed the community. And they, I think they're doing a thousand meals a day. And this is, uh, the guy who's, who's running it. His last name is Sharky. I think his name's Fred Sharky. And he's just, basically a bar owner and is taking it on himself to feed, you know, everybody who needs a meal and, uh, the meals aren't big, but it's something, you know? And so we, we have containers coming and I know the Red Cross has stuff. FEMA has a lot of food here and it's just really a matter of connecting the dots and working together and, and moving quickly, you know? And, and so that's what's happening. You know, I, I feel good about, What's going on? I think there are some things in the news that are probably blown out of proportion. You know, there was um, talk of looters, and maybe there were some instances, but it's not it's not widespread or rampant rampant here. You know, I haven't seen any anything serious. I feel safe here. You know, in terms of security, so I don't think it's a problem. But I am more concerned about St. John personally, and um, you know, we're trying to get a team over there, stationed over there, but it's kind of hard to find lodging because. You know, the hotel, the Westin's ruined over there, and uh, most of the other hotels are in bad shape, but I think we're going to end up staying over there eventually, you know. Well, how many deaths were there in St. Thomas and St. John? Do you have any? Hmm. You know, I don't have the exact number, but I want to say between 30 and 50. And you know when you I mean? look out over it, I mean, is it, is it just incredible how much destruction you see i mean what what's it like um okay so in a disaster situation there's a few things that are relative okay for example cleanliness is relative okay clean compared to what you know hunger is relative hungry compared to what you know and another one is destruction destruction compared to what you know, so that's why I say this is because I've been to Haiti, I've been to Japan, I've been to the Philippines, you know, Vanuatu, Nepal. I have seen some pretty bad places, you know. So if in terms of somebody who's used to St. Thomas, it looks like a bomb went off. You know what I mean? Uh, to somebody who has gone to the Philippines or to, to ch- Japan where whole cities are missing, um, it's not as bad as those situations. That's the nicest way I can say it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Uh, l- lots of destruction, uh, lots of emotional stress. If you've never been through a disaster, it's going to shell shock you. Um, you know, we have volunteers coming in today that, that they were just, you know, wide eyed. Uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. You know, you know, just kind of blown away. And I would say that would be the response of most people who come to, especially to St. John. St. John is in pretty bad shape in terms of the destruction and the buildings there. I was, there's no question in my mind it's the destruction there is worse. 
But if you lived in St. Thomas and you've never been through disaster, yeah, you're going to you're going to be emotionally shocked, you know, having lived through it, uh, you know, getting fresh water is a problem that, you know, electricity is a problem. And those all those things after um, a disaster add to the stress. And um, it's really difficult to cope with it if you have not been through it before. And so that's what I think is happening in my personal opinion. I'm not speaking on behalf of any you know, organizations, or I'm just saying from what I've seen in the past, everything's relative. And, um, you know, Haiti, if you look at Haiti, they had a quarter of a million people die, you know? And so, you know, if you're looking at the numbers of deaths, it's, it's not significant, but there's other problems with St. Thomas, like in terms of the fresh drinking water, that's all done through desalinization plants. And, um, if they can't get the water situation figured out, that could be a real, that could become a real problem. You know what I mean? And um, so there's different challenges, like is, is what I guess I'm saying. And you know the airport's closed right now, so there's no commercial flights. You can get charters in and out, um, but it, it is a very emotionally and stressful place to be for anybody. You know, once you've lost maybe a home or a loved one, or you know you're constantly wet. You know, we talk to people in St. John. You know, they don't have electricity don't have clean clothes that's a very stressful thing you know is it can you live through it yeah you can live through it but it's not fun it's going to be terrible um but you can take a ferry from saint john to saint thomas and if you really wanted to get out you could take a ferry from saint thomas to saint croix and saint croix is in pretty pretty good shape you know so there is a way out if people really really want to leave and I, so I guess the long way of answering this question is that those who are economic, economically challenged are the ones that we're most worried about. Yeah. You know what I mean? They yeah. they can't get up and leave. They, they don't have the resources to drive into town and get supplies. Maybe they're old, you know, and they can't they can't walk that far, you know. So that's our main concern is how are how can we help the people who don't have the resources to get themselves out of this mess? You know what I'm saying? Are you doing any geotagging like you've done in the past? Yeah, we are. I'm tagging everything, and that's just my habit. <clears throat> so if we, we go anywhere, I'm tagging, here is the airport, here is the ferry dock, here is this place, here is this person, you know? And um, so that's always going on, and it, it's very useful. How do you do that? What what app or program or what? How do you do so that? So there's, num- there's a couple apps where we use. There's um, one that's been, I call Old Faithful. It's not complicated but it works called gps log and um i also write a lot of stuff down in a notebook because let's say i break my phone you know and i can't access that information so i usually keep a duplicate copy of everything in my notebook and i also have a satellite phone so between those three three things i'm usually covered you know i can call anybody in the world uh if i have the gps coordinates you know i feel confident to get the information to whomever i need to you know um, we're working on an app. So I, I volunteer for the Salvation Army, but I also have my own aid, my own aid organization called Red Lightning. And the original idea of Red Lightning was to develop software that would help in disaster response. And um, so this is the first disaster that I'm actually testing it out. And so uh, there are some problems with it still that we have to work out, but we wouldn't have seen them in, unless we were testing it. You know, this is just part of part of uh, app development is you have to test it in the field, you know, in a real world situation. But um, it's going to be awesome when we get it worked out. You know, when we get everything worked out, it's going to be amazing. 
but for now we're, we still got to, you know, work on some of the problems with it and we'll fix it. And, uh, I've already told some of the, uh, Salvation Army guys, I'd love to give it to the Salvation Army to test, you know, at the next beta stage. And hopefully I'd like to give it to all the aid agencies to use and, and to coordinate. It's, it's a very powerful app and, and, um, hopefully we can bring that to fruition, but I think we're still a little bit out, you know. Yeah, I've been looking forward to hearing about that because you teased everybody a little bit about it on your Facebook when you said you're yep. leaving. Um, so, so what about tomorrow, Michael? So tomorrow morning, like, how much sleep are you are you going to get, and are you getting? And then, what does your day for tomorrow look like? You, usually, the days are pretty long. Uh, minute, almost always twelve to fourteen hours. You know, and the challenge right now for me is getting. I'm not. Uh, my, I'm jet lagged, and so I can't fall asleep early. You know, I'm six hours behind this time zone. So at twelve at night, I'm, I'm still stuck on Hawaii time. At six at, in Hawaii, I'm not tired. You know, and so I'm having a problem getting enough sleep. But I think it's going to start catching up to me pretty soon. And um, typical day, we wake up. We we typically know what we're going to do the day before. So we wake up and we have our first delivery or maybe we're picking up at the ferry or maybe we're you know have a meeting there's daily meetings with you know government officials and other agencies and stuff and so um currently there are i think there are six of us here there was an advanced team uh two pairs one on saint croix and one on saint thomas who were here they arrived the day before the storm to be in place to start setting things up you know and so I didn't even know about that until I got to, to Puerto Rico, and they are leaving probably tomorrow or Monday, and then it'll be me and Craig until the next the next uh, relief team comes, which will be within a few days after that, and they'll be here for a couple weeks, and I'll probably be here until October second or something. Um, but typical day, we wake up around five thirty, usually, you know, get cleaned up, get try to get something to eat. Um, I'm eating the MREs in my my go bag. I usually bring about three weeks of food with me. Okay, so and, you're um, you're self sufficient right now. Yeah, we we typically I have a go bag that's packed 24 hours. It's ready. It's ready to go within 24 hours. So I have most of my gear in there. I just go and check some things, and then I, I can be off. You know, and if it was an emergency, I could be out in 20 minutes. I just grab the bag and be gone. Um, but that, that bag has three weeks of MRE, which has a shelf life of about seven years. So it's just always ready to go. And after every disaster, I kind of re- refresh it. And so 2015 was Nepal, came home, refreshed it. It's been sitting there ready to go. And so it was, you know, had everything there. And, um, so typically we get up and we eat, you know, get clean, you know, shark, eat, and then we're pretty much out the door by 6.30 or 7 in most situations, sometimes earlier. And then we start at 8. It might be a delivery. It might be a meeting. Um, tomorrow we're going to do two deliveries to two hard-to-reach areas, exactly what I was describing. How are you going to go to um, We have a truck, and then uh, we rented another car today. So, but we'll, we'll use a four-wheel drive truck to get it up. It's basically in the mountains somewhere. We don't even know exactly where the spot is, but we'll put – uh, you know, uh, 50 gallons of 51 gallon, uh, you know, cartons of water. And we'll take these up and give them to these people who can't come down to get it, you know? So we'll spend probably four or five hours tomorrow making a couple runs of that, you know? And then, um, we, we kind of got a curveball with the storm, so we don't know what's going to, we're keeping an eye on Maria. If it's, 
evolving into something bad, we kind of got to help the other team evacuate and get them out of here. And um, uh, we were originally thinking about going to St. John and, and getting a team, you know, place to stay over there, basically. So, so we would start the pipeline of getting stuff out to St. John regularly and faster, you know. Uh, there's a team in Puerto Rico who is supplying us with all kinds of stuff. Uh, UPS has given us some space on their planes, and then we have uh, access to some barges so we can load 40-foot containers. And so there's a whole logistics system, and that's what Craig is really, really good at. He's amazing at it. I mean, that's like his thing, you know. And um, Craig put a lot of that together super quick. But we have a team in Puerto Rico that's doing an amazing job of procuring relief aid and getting it on the planes and the barges, and then it comes to St. Thomas, and then we kind of try to get it and put it in a secure place and then start dispersing it maybe to the church or, you know, the Red Cross or whoever needs it, wherever. We try to get it moved as fast as possible. And so the idea is to get that some of that going over to St. John's. You know, they need clothes over there, for example. That's, you know, men's clothing specifically, uh, not children or women, but the men need clothing over there. So we're going to get them, you know, a couple boxes of men's clothes, you know, or shoes. The needs change from day to day. And so one of the reasons why aid agencies ask for money is because the needs change so fast that if you were to send food or clothing or whatever, by the time it got to the disaster zone, that need would have been filled. You see what I'm saying? And, yeah. and so it's just, it's kind of like a waste. It's just a waste of getting know. it. That's good to know. So people, I was just thinking about that. Some people may want to send some kind of supplies, but you're saying the best thing to do is to donate to a reputable organization yes. because they know as quick as anybody could know what is actually needed. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing is, if you think about it, much of the stuff can be located, maybe not in the disaster zone, but sort of close to it. Okay. And so if you're spending 50 to $100,000 to, to load a plane up and, and send it down, all that money could have gone to aid purchased in Puerto Rico. Do you see what I'm saying? And so in terms of efficiency, the money is going to be far more efficient because you're not paying for that shipping cost when it can be procured locally. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. That's really, really good point. And I, and I was hoping to get some type of efficiency discussion out of this anyway. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the law of existing resources from the efficiency playbook, uh, which just came out in April, it was that was a chapter that was not, not included. But the law of existing resources say, says that you should never bring with you that that can be obtained in the place you are going. If you're sure you can get it in the place you're going, it is less efficient to bring it with you. Does that make sense? Uh huh. As a general rule of thumb. For example, water is typically pretty abundant, right? And situation now where, okay, well, water is not abundant here, but the next closest place, you know, uh, Puerto Rico, they have water, you know, so it makes more sense to get the water closer to the disaster zone than further away. It's less efficient to get it far, further away. And um, that applies to everything. You know, it could be any kind of aid. You try to get it locally first, because the, the needs change literally, literally from day to day. They change. And so if you were to ship a, a plane full of, you know, whatever it is, it may not be needed by the time it gets here. All that said, the law of existing resources also says if you cannot get it in the location where you need it, then you should bring it, you know. 
for example, tarps are very hard to find right now. So we're working with you know our partners to get tarps located you know further away from Puerto Rico and have those sent in because that's a hot commodity. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But we just wouldn't know that until you know we sit down and, and look at the needs. So that's kind of a long answer. All right. So let's uh, in, in being uh, aware of time here, I want to ask you a few questions if we can kind of do a slight rapid fire, Mike. Okay. Uh, sure. What kind of clothing are you wearing and working in? Uh, I typically bring three sets of clothing, and each set of clothing is supposed to last me for a week. <laughs> so, so I, t- I I wore the first pair of clothing on the plane to Puerto Rico. I changed out of them to this morning. I went like four days, four or five right. days, right? The What's reason is uh, I I use a lot of like Nike dry fit shirts because it's hot and I sweat a lot, and then the pants are the Columbia pants. There's different fabric types. I like the breathable thin ones, the shorts, they're like, they're called shants. So they can be shorts or pants. And, uh, the, the zip, the zippers around the thighs and you can take the legs off because I can go to pants or shorts and virtually everybody here wears them. Okay. If you're disaster aid, almost everybody has those pants because they're convenient, you know? Um, and then I wear, um, I'm wearing, I have different pairs of Solomon shoes, the hiking shoes, and I'm wearing a pair of low tops, uh, Gore-Tex waterproof, light, cool. Uh, I know I've tested my foot in them; they're comfortable. And then, um, and then I usually bring a, a hat, and uh, then I have like a little camel pack that I carry with me through the day. You know, it has water and pretty much everything I need to survive for a day. You know. Are you wearing smart wool socks or merino wool, other kind? I, I'm not because they're too hot right now, and. Um, so I wear just regular uh, athletic ankle socks, and um, I, I wear a lot of DEET. I'm bathing in 100% DEET every day. Okay. So anytime I go out in the morning, I, I really kind of put it on all over, and then um, after shower, I put it on. There's mosquitoes everywhere here. And uh, sunscreen, put that on too. But usually it's the Nike the Nike shirts and the Columbia pants. Those are the two because they, they evaporate so fast. You know, you can... You can be in a rainstorm and, and the sun will come out. You'll be dry in ten minutes, you know. All right. So you said you felt safe. What about security as a whole there? And you know, I, obviously, I don't think you traveled with any weapons, or at least you didn't travel with a gun. So what, what, what's uh, is there? Are the people you see that are protecting their businesses or homes with guns and or any weapons? You know, it's it's just not that bad. What happened was, I think in the beginning there was probably some looting, but what happened was the FBI sent uh, a bunch of agents down and they're armed, they're guarding the airport and helping with some of the other checkpoints, I think, you know, some of the government buildings, the Marines are here, the Army of Engineers are here, and um, I think there were some FBI, or not FBI, there was some New York Police Department detectives that also came and they're helping with security, and I, I really don't see a problem with security here at all. Okay. What about sanitation? You know, I think the sanitation problem is uh, it could become a, a, a more of a, of a bigger problem, and that's something that they asked for on St. John is they wanted more sanitation. Uh, but right now, I think it's manageable. I think they're doing. I think the government here is actually doing a pretty good job. You know, believe it or not, in terms of what how much work they have to do. Sanitation. I think it's okay. Yeah, okay. I think it's okay. What about right now, in my uh, opinion, like with the but bathrooms? Are people 
you know, just pooping wherever they can, or is it not anywhere near that bad? No, no, it's not like Haiti, you know, was a problem where, where you had people doing that, you know, literally everywhere. And, um, you know, if you, we, we, the Salvation Army set up a, a camp for 15,000 people, and it was just, I mean, mind-blowing how filthy it was, you know, and, and then you had the rain season coming, and it was just a mess. So, like, like I said, cleanliness is relative, you know, compared to what? Compared to, you know, a city in, a, in the United States, the mainland, yeah, it's definitely far worse. Is it like Haiti? No, it's not like Haiti. Okay. I, I think You know what I'm saying? It's relative. Certainly, yeah, especially for somebody like you who's been to some huge disasters across the globe. I've got, I think, one more question, and then I definitely want you to, to wrap it up with anything that you know you, you want the folks to hear. But um, you talked about your organization, Red Lightning. So, really, what is the best thing that people can do now? Uh, and, I, and I'm talking about somebody out there may just have the means and the time to just say, "Hey, I want to go down there and mm-hmm. physically help." And then those that that cannot do that. So, what are the best hmm. ways people can help out? I think right now, okay, so the commercial flights, as far as I know, uh, they won't open until, the airport won't even be open until um, Wednesday, and it, that might be pushed back. But the problem with getting volunteers is they should have they should have been trained before they get here in something, you know, whether it's a nurse or, you know, I don't think the medical needs are there, but if you've been trained in disaster aid and you're with an organization that's coming, that makes sense. I think if they want to help, the best way to do it is to donate and um you know, I've worked so much with the Salvation Army that I, I you know, I donate to the Salvation Army, you know, and they're they're my go-to. Uh, the Red Cross is a, is a huge organization. They're really big, and, uh, you know, they do a tremendous amount of work. Uh, and so right now we're partnering with them. And so I'd have to say if you if you donate to the Red Cross, I think you're doing, you know, that they're they're the biggest NGO here right now, and they are they're doing great. They're they're doing an amazing job. And then um, I like my organization. Uh, it's more kind of a widow's might thing where we take the money and we try to find a way to kind of personally help people. You know, maybe if it's like twenty or forty bucks, I can I can like I gave uh, a donation yesterday in the form of a solar charger. It was just something I had in my bag for that purpose. Somebody said they they needed electricity, so I gave them one of the solar chargers I buy. You know, and I bring them with me on these trips. And so we look for opportunities. Um, okay, so let me back up a little bit. The Red Cross and the Salvation Army, there's a whole process where they where they do these large distributions to a lot of people, you know, thousands of people, tens of thousands of people. They're the big wheels, you know. I talk about that in the book. They're, they're the big wheels that cover a lot of ground. And um, with Red Lightning, what I try to do is find, you know, the woman who's asking me for a mosquito net. And I have one in my bag, you know, an extra one in my bag. That's the kind of thing that I do. Is it is it big? No. Is it impactful on a single person? Yes, it is. And then so that's kind of the difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, my you know my flight and everything, all that's covered, so I don't have any overhead. I'll volunteer. Uh, it's a, it's a five hundred one c three, and so um, yeah, you know that's that's the choice that that people would have in this situation. I would say the Red Cross, uh, Salvation Army, or Red Lightning. You know, yeah, this and, is so different. Where, then uh, you know, you and I have done some uh, some work together with uh, after tornadoes or hurricanes, and it's mm-hmm. been you know never been directly in the action like on the coast. Well, I haven't done on the coast. You have, but 
we've gone down and it's been a lot easier because you don't have to have as much of a skill. You just need a, a strong back, yeah. a chainsaw, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But so it's this is different in your situation is you need, it needs to be more organized and you need some more specific skills than just muscles. Yeah, there, I mean, the, the problem here is getting here. Um, we had to get a charter flight and I guess it's okay. We had to spend $3,000 to get me and Craig here, you know, you know, and, and not everybody can afford a one way $3,000 plane trip. You see yeah. what I'm saying? So it's just not feasible for people to just jump on a plane. The airport's closed. You just can't easily come here anyway. But at some point when, you know, things settle down, yeah, the commercial flights are going to open and you know what? People can come here. They can go to St. John and there is so much work that needs to be done that you could work for a year and probably not dent it, you know, in terms of rebuilding homes and rebuilding houses. And so there is definitely damage and there's, you know, lots of work to be done. <clears throat> so that need is definitely there, but it's just not easy to, to hop in your car and drive to St. Thomas. You know what I'm saying? And that's, um, you know, something that can be done in Houston and in Florida keys, you know, there's going to be tons of work that needs to be done there. St. Thomas and St. John are difficult because they're isolated and you have to, pretty much fly or sit on a boat for 12 hours to get here, you know? Yeah, and I figure a lot of people are going to have to look on a map where they are anyway, uh, St. Tom. I mean, we've, we've, we've heard yeah. these names, but I couldn't pick it out on a map. I'll have to, you know, look at it. Uh, so we're, we're going to have yeah. some links, Mike. I'll put some links up. To, I'll put a link to your to Red Lightning. And, um, oh, I mean, thank we, you. Anyway, hopefully people can we'll, we'll throw some donations your way because they're, they're actually going to somebody on the ground. Um, but yep. wrap us up. Just let's close us out with whatever you, you want us to know. Basically, um, you, you know, I do a lot of th- different things. You know, I'm a photographer and a producer, and I, you know, I'm an author and all these things. But there's of all the things that I can do, and all the things I'm good at, I'm I'm really good at disasters. For some reason, I don't know why. I'm just wired to enjoy it. You know, it's it's not stressful to me. It's like fun. I hate to say that word, but I love, there's nothing else I'd rather be doing. And, um, I, I feel like God has blessed me with certain skill sets and those skill sets work really, really well in disaster situations. And, and I, I enjoy it. You know, I can't last forever. I, I'll burn out after about three weeks, but I know I'm supposed to be here and I know that I'm supposed to take the skill sets that I've been given and use them in a certain way. And, uh, you know, some of the most memorable experiences of my life are, you know, serving in disaster zones. And it's just a great way to kind of reset and, and kind of stop looking at my problems. Like, it's funny, I'm so in, embedded in my, you know, my work and the, the products I had going on, and I'm not even thinking about them right now. You know, a week ago, I was so excited about football, and right now, football is the furthest thing. I couldn't care less about football right now. You know, I'm just not even thinking about it. And it's this mindset that has changed because of the opportunity to serve people, you know. And so I guess the thought I'd like to close with is that if you, you know, if you're struggling with something in your personal life or your work life, your career life, find a way to take a couple days off and go to one of these disaster zones and and help somebody who's, who's really suffering. And it will rock your world. It will reset your soul and you will feel amazing. And when you go back to your normal problems that you were struggling with before, they will be minimized. They'll seem like nothing. And that's one of the selfish reasons I do these trips is it's just so – it's just 
it just fills you with gratitude, you know? And so I guess that's the thought I would kind of close with. I, I know I'm supposed to be here. I want to be here. Uh, we don't care about this other storm that's coming because we want to be ready to serve as soon as it's over with, you know? So I guess that's, that's kind of the thought, the unscripted thought I have. Okay, man. Uh, great work. May God continue to bless you and thank you for, you know, taking, you know, I guess a talent that you have, a skill that you have, and also you just actually, you have the ability to do it, you know, financially and mm-hmm. time-wise, and so you're you're making something happen. So, man, keep it up, and I wish you well. And thank I, you. I've been looking forward to talking to you. I know you and, have. Uh, so, so thanks for the report. I really, I want people to, to know what's going on in these these just devastated these hard hit places that most of us aren't you know haven't been to yeah i think um you know st thomas and st john is kind of falling through the cracks because there's you know houston and uh florida they've, they've been hit and they're hurting you know and so a lot of the aid agencies are spread out but um you know i i'm i'm i just feel blessed and and thankful to have the opportunity to be able to do this. I, I just feel lucky. You know what I mean? And so um, I'm going to try to update my blog. I had a podcast going myself, but I, I haven't really done it since I've been here. It's because the days are long, you know, but I'm going to try to update the blog when I can. And so if people want to see what's going on, they can follow me on Instagram or check the blog out and I'll have more information coming. I'll put your all that on there, your podcast. I'll put uh, michaelthemaven.com. Uh, what is your Instagram and Twitter? Instagram, I'm at... Michael the Maven, all one word. Uh, it's both for Twitter and Instagram. And um, yeah, it, it, the internet connection is kind of tough, but you know, phone calls and texting is a little easier. And uh, it, when I can get more pictures out, I'll definitely post more. Great. Well, there you have it, folks. Thank you, Michael Andrew. Thank you, Thad. Thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate it so much.